All right, let's finish with one last question. Uh, Michael said, if I start investing in the Vanguard Diversified High Growth ETF, the VDHG, and then in seven to 10 years time, decide I want to adjust my risk and change to the balanced ETF, VDBA, do I have to sell the Vanguard VDHG uh, stocks or units and will this trigger tax events or can you transfer? That's a mouthful. So let's talk maybe conceptually. Mm. I mean, sure, if you sell those units and you buy other units in the lower ETF, that's a tax event. Mm. There's no internal in-species transfers between units of ETF. So there will be a tax event. So Michael, you need to now look at the strategy of how we're managing a change. But I guess, how would you position this, Jess, in terms of in seven to 10 years, if he wants to adjust his risk profile? So we'll, we'll say Michael, I don't know, we'll just age him for a minute. We'll say he's 50 in 10 years. He's thinking, I'll be 60 and I want to stop working. So I, don't, I won't have as much time to recover. Like, how would you frame this? Mm. I think risk always needs to come back to the goal. And I believe in goals-based risk profiling. And as you get closer and closer to achieving that goal, you know, Michael's doing the right thing. He's thinking about, cool, as I get closer to achieving my goal, am I now taking too much risk and do I need to pull back on the amount of assets that I have that are growth-weighted? And so I think everyone needs to remember that, you know, but I also think it depends what your goal is. Like, if you're like, cool, now I'm 60, now I need to take less risk, Well, maybe that's true, but maybe you're also going to live a really long time based on life expectancy, which I think currently in Australia is like 84 Mm. um, for all of us. So God knows how long we're going to be living by then. But I also think that you can be strategic and clever about, well, do I need to sell the holdings or do I just change tact in terms of where new monies go so that over time it ends up being more of a balanced overall portfolio rather than selling down and having that tax consequence that you were talking about. So I think there's some different things to think through there, don't you? Yeah. And and that could be a situation when you will, because we talk about, you know, when you're building your portfolio, you know, don't have these two funds because for everyone who doesn't know, the Vanguard Diversified High Growth is 90% growth, 10% mm. defensive. Mm. Uh, balance is 70% growth, 30% defensive. Generally speaking, if you're just starting investing, you wouldn't buy two of these um, and run them because of the overlap. But it could be a legitimate scenario when you are altering your strategy and risk profile that there is overlap. I thought the balance was 50-50. I'd need to check that. I thought their growth portfolio is 730. Oh, yes, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Because I love that it's one of the few balanced portfolios that's actually actually balanced. balanced. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. That's right. Yeah, growth. Yeah, there's balanced, there's conservative, balanced growth and high growth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
But what I would probably, I, yeah, I. This is the whole thing, Jess. Like when you're sixty years old, I hate these life stage portfolios that dial down automatically over time. Because I get it; it's to protect people. But if you're listening to my millennial money, you're learning how portfolios work. You're learning asset allocations. So it actually means if I understand an investment and the volatility, mm. do I need to decrease my risk profile as I get old? Like my dad and mum, like the best part of 70 at the moment, mm. I was looking at their portfolio the other day um, and I actually talked with their financial advisor. Just, I don't know, I was roped into some discussion about them and with them and all that. And they're still invested in 70-30. And it's fine think, because they yeah. get it. They're like, things change. We get in our income and there are portions of the portfolio that aren't invested, but the lion's share that's in market is a 70-30 fund. I think this is where people get confused because I think what people assume happens is like you're super aggressive when you're young, which I hope you are if that's a long-term goal because I think a lot of women particularly take not enough risk. Mm. Uh, But then I think they think what happens is you reach retirement age and you just sell all out of it and you're just sitting cash forever. Totally, yeah. Yeah. So what I would be thinking of, old Mikey boy, Mikey Mikey, is have some type of strategy. And I'm assuming you're 50. Otherwise, why is your risk profile changing if you're 40? Or, you know, and I, I say for a long time, and I will say this loud and clear, I categorically think if you're under 55, there's no reason to not have at least 70% growth because the money's going to at least be invested in super this is for five years because that's when our first condition of release is met, age 60. But likely people will keep going until 65. So that's 10 years. So we've got time if we understand markets. So yeah, that's the side thing. But what you could do, Mikey boy, is if you're hell-bent on just buying VD... BA, or, or here's one we haven't thought of, just stop with the VDHG and buy the growth one. <laughs> totally, because it's a 70-30. Or get to a point where you either go in their conservative fund, which I think is the opposite, which is like 90-10 mm. the other way, or just put money in cash. Like I, I don't understand. I think the strategy needs to be well thought through. And if you've been invested for that long to sell out, to then rebuy a whole heap of the same stuff that you were already in, mm. uh, do, the, do the math and think through that through because I'm not sure I'd want to pay tax to rebuy the same asset and reset everything. Yeah. Or we don't sell it. Uh, we turn off dividend reinvestment, uh, which I don't have on on any of my things anyway. What? Um, yeah. Ooh. Oh. 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 Do we need to... Mm. Do we need to go there? Maybe. Okay. Maybe I'll make a note and I'll get you back for another episode and we'll we'll talk about dividend reinvesting and why I don't reinvest my dividends. Um, turn off DRP and then put any new money that you're investing. Here's a wild one, everyone. Straight to super. Dun, dun, dun. Look at your portfolio, not as this is my kitty out of super and that's my super over there. Like a lot of people go, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do when I retire. I've got no super. You own 15 properties. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
your assets are your assets. Mm-hmm. So you've got to look at everything um, as a whole. Super's your investment portfolio just has a different tax exactly. structure. Exactly. It's still your investments. What if you turn your super on or you just put new money into, as you said, the conservative option or a cash option? Uh, but we, we answered his question. Yes, you can't do in-specie transfer with all that stuff. 